Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Stories of the New Testament, an appendage to a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 151 examines Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 35, part 2. Forgive others their trespasses. Last week, in discussing the first part of Matthew 18, we learned about the importance of seeking that which is lost. We examined the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. We, of course, are the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, for none of us are perfect. A line in the beloved hymn, Amazing Grace, says, I was lost, but now I'm found. Another overriding theme of last week's lesson is the importance of the atonement. Until this world ends, the mission of Christ is to gather his sheep. Immediately, Christ commissions those whom he has found to go and look for the other lost sheep. An important principle of the gospel was taught very early in the Old Testament in the story of Cain and Abel, as recorded in Genesis 4. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, When they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? The words are chilling, because Cain had just murdered his brother Abel. But every Christian knows the answer to that question. Probably the first thought that comes to mind is the parable of the Good Samaritan. In the parable, a stranger was robbed and seriously wounded and left dying on the road. Both a priest and a Levite, respected men of the community, rather than offer assistance, went on the other side of the road, ignoring the wounded man. A Samaritan, however, who was despised by the Jews, bound his wounds and paid for his hospital care. The Savior asked, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do likewise. The Samaritan had a right to be bitter. The wounded man may have been his enemy, but the Samaritan had compassion. In Matthew 18, the Savior is really addressing the same issue. Who is my neighbor? And am I my brother's keeper? Listen to his words. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his faults between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. From the beginning, Christ has taught the principle of love your neighbor. Matthew 5, 7 Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Matthew 6, 12, 14-15 and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, 
neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Christ is not blind to reality. In another place, he also said, Be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. Notice how he follows with cautious advice. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Christ, of course, is training his apostles to take over the leadership of the church when he is gone. He teaches us all the law of witnesses. He teaches us as members of the church the importance of apostles and prophets. He teaches his apostles that they have very important priesthood powers. They are to act in his name. He said, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The priesthood power was only given to his apostles. It was first given to Peter, the chief apostle, then to the rest of the disciples. He instructs his apostles further on how to conduct meetings and how they should be united in their decisions. He also teaches how business in the church should be conducted. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That is one reason that we have churches where saints gather together, united in furthering the gospel of Christ. But Christ expects tremendous sacrifice from his followers. Let me remind you of the words of Peter as found in 1 Peter 2. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshy lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Christ expects more of his followers. In Jewish tradition, they were expected to forgive others three times. Peter asked, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. The number is so high that if you put it in numerical terms, it is impossible to practice. Think of someone robbing you 70 times 7, or beating you up, or defrauding you. If we're waiting for the 490 times to be up before we kill him, we may have missed the point. But let's combine the two commandments. Consider what Christ said earlier. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. With what Christ said above. I say not unto thee until seven times, 
but until 70 times 7. Then we have perspective. Clearly, we do what is necessary using witnesses under the law to stop anyone from injuring us as quickly as possible. The Savior isn't really referring to a single event that occurs 490 times. He is referring to the thousand times during our life that we have been offended. We are not to go through life with a chip on our shoulders, hating everyone who gets in our way. We must learn to forgive others their weaknesses as we want them to forgive us ours. That is the only way a civilized society can survive. We're going to be wronged and we are going to wrong others whether intentionally or unintentionally. Notice, however, how the Lord asked us to deal with those problems. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his faults between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. How many wrongs could be righted? How many hurt feelings healed if we acted with calmness, patience, and charity without flying into a rage? There will be times when we must take action but we must act within the law using witnesses. Even then, we do not have to hate our enemies. Hate is a double-edged sword that cuts both the victim and the oppressor, but it is the victim that gets the double wound. Remember Christ, after sitting for hours weaving a whip, drove the money changers out of the temple. Christ was horribly victimized, but he was never a victim. Even hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. As he did so often, Christ illustrates the deep doctrines of the atonement through parables, as illustrated by the parable of the unmerciful servant. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, The Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that they had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. Christ never gets very far away from the Sermon on the Mount. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount how he often referred to the kingdom of heaven? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice that he is comparing the kingdom of heaven to a certain king. That king, of course, is Christ himself, who is appointed by the Father to be the judge of all mankind. A talent weighs over 129 pounds. Now, can you imagine how much money 10,000 talents of gold or 10,000 talents of silver were worth? How would you like to have 10,000 talents of gold or silver in today's market? Today, an ounce of gold is worth nearly $2,000. Silver is worth nearly $25 an ounce. The point of the parable is that just as the servant can never pay his debt of 10,000 talents, we can never pay our debt to Christ, who paid the price for our sins. The debtor knew that. He fell on his knees and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. 
Of course, in his despair, he made a promise that the Lord knew that he couldn't keep. Still, the Lord was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. The Lord didn't require interest. He didn't require small monthly payments. He frankly forgave the entire debt. One would think that in his gratitude, the debtor would forgive all of his debtors, but he did just the opposite. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, try to consider the difference between what the man owed to the king, 10,000 talents, and what his servant owed to him, 100 pence. A pence was a day's wages, about 16 cents. It would take the servant 100 working days to pay it back. But, of course, he couldn't work because he was thrown into prison by his evil employer. The injustice angered those who saw it. So when the fellow servants saw what was done, They were very sorry, and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. In turn, the Lord called the first servant, whom he had formerly forgiven, back in. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his servant was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. The story turns ugly. Notice that the servant threw the man in prison, thus making it impossible for him to pay the debt. The Lord, however, who at first had forgiven him, because his servant refused to forgive his debtor, the Lord delivered the first man to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. There's double irony because the first man can now pay his debt in prison because he is being tormented for his sins while in prison. The story becomes very serious because the debt is 10,000 talents. The Savior, of course, is speaking of hell. Again, let's return to the Sermon on the Mount for clarification. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to thy brother, Reka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer the gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother his trespasses. Above the Lord said, Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the council. In the parable, the man took his servant by the throat, 
and threatened him. Even after the servant begged for patience, the man cast him in prison, making sure that he could never pay his debt. There is no compassion for the man or his family. That, coupled with the fact that his servant only owed him 100 pence, whereas he had owed the king 10,000 talents. The second time, the king delivers the first man to the tormentors, where he will not be released from hell till he has paid the uttermost farthing. In other words, he will be tormented in hell until he has paid the full 10,000 talents, showing what the Lord meant when he said, But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Because the servant showed no mercy to his servant, he must pay the ends of the law of justice for his own sins. The sum of money, of course, is symbolic of the debt we owe the Savior, a debt we cannot repay. But all he asks of us is that we keep his commandments. Then he will show mercy. If we do not keep his commandments, if we do not repent of our sins as well as show mercy to others, we must ourselves answer to the law of justice, which is precise in its punishment. The law of justice has no mercy. I know of no parable that better illustrates the difference between the law of justice and the law of mercy than the parable of the unmerciful servant. Notice that the Savior said, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Why didn't the Savior who was appointed by the Father to be our judge say, Neither will I forgive your trespasses? The answer is profound. The Father represents the law of justice. Justice is unmerciful. Justice must be satisfied. The law of mercy can satisfy the law of justice, but the law of mercy cannot rob the law of justice. Those who reject the mercy of Christ must answer to the full law of justice represented by the Father. Remember the grand scripture? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice the clause, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Those who reject the atoning sacrifice of the Savior will perish and not have everlasting life with the Father. That is the message above. That was the great sin of the first servant. He wanted forgiveness, but he wasn't willing to show forgiveness to others. Christ is willing to forgive anyone who repents of their sins, who forgives others their debts against them, and who endures to the end. Remember, our debt to the Savior is compared to the 10,000 talents. Those who sin against us, no matter what that sin is, are only in debt to us for 100 pence. If, however, we refuse to forgive others, then we must answer the full letter of the law. Justice demands it. God showed no mercy to the man who showed no mercy to the other children of God. It is still an affirmation of God's love, even for the sinner. For it is true that God did give his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He gives us so much for so little in return. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.